So that's all from me, except to introduce um, this morning and to introduce Ian, uh, who's travelled all the way to, to be with us today. So thank you, Ian and Jackie. Um, yeah, this year, obviously last year, we, we were still really, it's crazy how time goes. This time last year, really, we were still emerging from COVID land weren't we? Um, I think last year our suit week got cancelled in January because restrictions came in and came away and it all got a bit touch and go. But so we, we really wanted to revisit um, all the things that were really so formational to us as a community. So that's why we went through rule of life, didn't we? And um, Phil gave a great intro to that in the beginning of the year. And then we had so many fantastic speakers come um, and share their insight and their wisdom and their stories to re-inspire us and reignite that, yeah, this is this is what I do this for these these are what I hold to these are the things that that really ground my faith and ground us as as community as well so I really enjoyed real life honestly I think it was the best learning series that we've ever had um so uh, but we've got faith for this year now we've gone right okay that was what founded us that was what shaped us now what's going to move us forwards and um you'll remember last July uh, Roger Ellis gave us a word as a community he, and an encouragement, really, almost a command to say, look, you guys, you know, you, you know the Holy Spirit, but we need to get better at stewarding the Holy Spirit. You need to get better at taking the Holy Spirit from your personal and corporate encounters in prayer rooms and in your meetings and take them into your everyday, ordinary lives. So we, as leaders, we really heard that. That really registered with us. And so we were like, right, okay, in 2023, that's all we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to, um, in, a, in a bid to explore the depths of the Holy Spirit, to encounter the Holy Spirit, to, to get to know the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit um, as well, that it might do something amongst us. We're really expectant that as we, as we lean into the Holy Spirit, that we will be propelled out from this place that will be ignited in these moments and so we we're just super super um excited about this year and everything it's going to bring and you'll see on the website we've got some wendy has worked so so hard fantastically hard um at getting some amazing speakers um from um networks to come we've got ian this morning and then if you look on the website we've got off the top of my head brian heasley janie rubry uh jill weber Richard and Katie Smith coming back. Someone else that I've forgotten. Joe Callender, yeah, next month. So it's, you know, these sessions are so special and we literally get some world-class speakers come to the little town of Stamford Hope to, to be with us. And it, they're really, so don't miss them. Put them all in your calendar and make sure you're here. Okay, that's enough from me. Ian, if you come come up here, we'll, I'll just introduce you and, and pray for you, and then over to you. So this is Ian. Yay, welcome, Ian. So Ian is a great friend to us at Proximity Church. He's come to visit and encourage uh, and, and walk alongside us for, for many, many years, and we're really grateful for all that he's brought to us as a church. He's also a really great bloke. I really enjoy spending time with him. He's been kind enough to me to let me stay in his house a few times and and things like that. And he's a, a formerly a director of of Woking Football Club, now uh, the the chaplain of, of Woking Football Club as well. And um, he's lived a very interesting and full life. Uh, if I can reach 10% of some of the things that Ian's done, I'll be pleased. So um, yeah, welcome Ian. We're really pleased to have you. Let me pray for you um, and, and us as, as we as we begin this morning. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we dare to utter that simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, be amongst us, be in us. We know that you're with us. Give us eyes to see you. Open the eyes of our heart that we might have the revelation of your goodness, your grace, and your power in this room. Lord, thank you for Ian. Thank you for all that you've done in his life. Thank you for all that he's brought to us as a community. I pray this morning, Father, as he shares, that, Father, you would uh, strengthen him and you'd empower him to do all that you want to do in this place. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be here, and uh, it's great to have Jackie with me as well. We, we were out in Vienna last week, and because of Jackie's work and kids and everything, we, we often haven't travelled together, so it's just nice to do a couple of things together, and we always like we always like coming here. So, um, And it's been a few years with COVID and everything else. As Christy was saying, it's like a... We're coming out into a into a new world, and um, I'm just I we love coming here because, well, we've got good friends here, and we've been coming here for a, a long time. But it always feels that there's always it's always you know full of life and uh, full of enthusiasm, full of vision, and also I th- I don't know I think this might be the first time I've spoken to you as proximity. I think maybe I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, 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 and. Um, one of the things I'm noticing as well as I <clears throat> look around, not just 24-7, but lots of different things, is how God is is opening up opportunities for communities that have been going for quite a while. And quite a few of the 24-7 communities have, have now been going for 15, maybe even 20 years. Quite a few of them have been through challenges. Quite a few of them have been at points where they've thought, had honest conversations about should we continue or not. And uh, I think with nearly, I think virtually all of them have come through those difficulties and coming out coming out the other side with a real sense of, no, we are called to this, we are called together, and are beginning to see the fruit of that. And one of the things I said in, in, in Vienna last week was that I think, you know, church is not just uh, a plastic box that you plonk on the ground and, do the same thing as the plastic box up the road or the plastic box somewhere else in the world church is something that's a living organism and it puts down roots and i think it then takes the shape of the community it's in it takes the shape of the people who form up that community it takes the shape of what the holy spirit does in that community it takes the shape of your stories and your story together the good uh, the bad and probably not, hopefully not too much ugly, but strug- the struggles as well as the blessings. And then once those once those communities take shape, that's when they and put down roots is when they begin to really bear fruit. <laughs> a box doesn't bear fruit; it just does what another box does. But a living organism bears fruit, and uh, so we're beginning to see see that. And as you know, people you know in you know we in spain some of you if you've been involved with 24 7 will know some of the guys in spain they're they're doing some great stuff and building links with the local 
monastery or the guys in Dublin and the fact they've been given a retreat retreat center to develop or in Rotterdam probably a lot of us don't know the people in Rotterdam but they've been given two buildings one on virtually the richest street in Rotterdam and they've been given it free of charge and then they've been given another building which is quite close by but in one of the poorest most challenging parts of Rotterdam and they're now beginning to run a a training course and they've got putting up uh, I think they started it this week and they're putting up their first guests and so on or or way you know Waverley Abbey in near Guildford which is you know developing into being I mean Jill last week they had people from all over the world visiting there or Switzerland Manor House is an example of a community that really they 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 had a hard time in COVID I think they'd be quite open and say they had disagreements a lot of it was disagreements of how to respond to covid and uh it became quite strong some people thought should we even stay here anymore then they had conversations we've been going for 10 years should we continue and we were out earlier in the year and they they they'd made the decision no we will continue and we had a great celebration thing and they've now got uh, a fresh lease of life or polylux up in in germany who are again they went through a time of saying and i remember ralph saying they they'd had um a couple in the community sadly split up i think they'd had quite a few struggling with depression and financially things had shut down so ralph had to go back and do his teaching work and uh we sat down and and, and, you know and and he said but we're not going anywhere you know, and uh, and we're still here, and uh, and now a year or so on, uh, people are doing well. They've got a few people joined the community. They've got um, financially things are turned around. So Ralph's now being able to give up his teaching again and go back full time to the community. But that is the reality, isn't it, of community life? It has its ups and downs. It has its challenges. But it's as we persevere over time that fruit really begins to be born and and you know as we as we mature so um what i'm going to do this morning i and i will see how we get on with time um i'm going to start by doing something that i did last week in in uh vienna uh on thin places and i'll explain what that means in a minute but i think this all locks into your aspiration this year to really pursue the Holy Spirit and pursue the Holy Spirit's purposes and pursue the Holy Spirit's uh, presence. So we'll start with that and then we'll go on to look at some specifics of the Holy Spirit. And in the middle, there'll be a little bit of work for you to do, sort of chatting around your tables and things. But that's when the introverts go, oh dear. (laughs) The extroverts say, oh, at last, you know. So, Um, Yeah, so... A thin place. So the Celts, it was the Celtic Christians. There were two streams of Christianity, really, that have changed uh, the the British Isles. One was the Roman one, which came up through Kent, and the Celtic one, which came down through uh, from Ireland over into Scotland and down into the north of England. And the Celtic Christians had this concept of thin places, and they felt it was those rare places where the distance almost between heaven and earth collapses and you get this sense of the divine and they drew their inspiration from the desert fathers which was a whole network of that was the stream of christianity that began in north africa and the middle east very very early on so they saw 
their concept of spirituality, they saw themselves really as on a life pilgrimage, which they called peregrinati. Uh, and they saw that wandering and seeking the Holy Spirit's purpose for their lives with their friends. So it wasn't a solitary thing. It was with groups of friends. And uh, we, you may have heard the stories of in Ireland, you know, that sense of pilgrimage would lead to some um, odd Celtic Christians getting in a little boat and setting off sail from Ireland saying, wherever we end up is where the Holy Spirit has brought us. And there we will seek to build communities of faith. We will pray, we will worship. And they did that with their friends. So if you go to Cornwall, there's lots of little places called Saint this, Saint that. And it would have been the name of the person who came with his group of friends or her group of friends and established the community. And as they worshipped and prayed, there was this sense of this becoming a thin place. And so some of those thin places became very significant and Jumping around, this isn't Celtic, but if, if you ever go to Macedonia, it's a place called Ochrid, which is on Lake Ochrid. At one time, Ochrid had 365 churches, and uh, different saints came, uh, St. Methodius and Cyril, I think it's dedicated to St. Clement. It was the first university in the Balkans, and the Balkans was evangelized away out of this thin place, this place of prayer and community and so on. And um, Bangor Abbey in Ireland, continual prayer and worship for many years, centre of education, 3,000 monks. Columbanus, who was another Celt, he, he believed in perpetual prayer, but he went as a missionary to France and founded three monasteries there. Um, and coming up, we won't talk about it for time, but uh, not Celtic, but Hanhut, which is the model you know, the inspiration for much of 24-7 prayer and a place of perpetual prayer, a thin place that out of a village, 3,000 missionaries were sent. And I remember hearing someone say that um, the modern missionary movement, every aspect of what they call the missionary movement in modern times could be traced back to the Hanhut's prayer, continual prayer, and so on. And there are many more examples, but the reality is that a lot of these communities were small. A lot of them didn't last. A lot of them, we, could, we don't remember them. But that doesn't mean they were insignificant. It means it was groups of people faithfully serving God in a place. And your presence here makes a difference. And we don't realize we don't realize how much of a difference we make. I remember being, uh, this lesson came over to me a few years ago, well, a lot of years ago now. We were on Guildford High Street. Uh, I was there with a friend uh, called Kumar, and um, there was a table in the middle of the high street that was doing quite heavy-duty psychic readings. It wasn't just a sort of casual thing. It was obviously very new-agey and so on. And uh, we just, we didn't say anything. We just stood about that distance from the table and we were just watching what was going on. And then a guy from the table came over and said, uh, excuse me, um, could you two please move away? And we said, well, why? We're, we're, we're not doing anything. He said, yeah, but ever since you came here, we haven't been able to do any of our readings. And 
suddenly I thought, oh, we do carry a presence. You do carry a presence in this community as salt and light. And um, I think thin places are community places. We can look at individuals and we can say, oh, that person really carries a very special sense of the presence of Jesus. But I think it's communities. I, I think it's very hard for an individual to build a thin place. But communities, as you pray, worship, and follow the Lord in obedience together, you create a thin place. So originally, the whole of creation was a thin place. Earth and heaven were one. Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the garden. And then we had this tragic moment where suddenly God is saying, Adam, where are you? You've gone. You're hiding. And sin had entered. And from that time, we only have glimpses of heaven. We only have glimpses of the divine. As Paul says, it's like we're looking through a glass darkly. But even in the Old Testament, you begin to see examples of places where God's presence was very real. So Bethel, the house of God, and uh, Genesis 28, Jacob has his dream of the, the ladder and angels descending into, into heaven and woke up in the morning saying, surely the Lord is in this place. An example of a thin place. Or Exodus 3, Mount Horeb, the mountain of God and the burning bush where Moses has this encounter, a thin place. Joshua 4, where Gilgal, the place where the Israelites crossed the Jordan and they put down Joshua said, put down stones as a memorial to the fact that this is where we entered into our place of promise. I'm sure that became a thin place. The tabernacle and the temple were very special thin places where God is present. Mount Carmel, Elijah, with his encounter. In fact, any miracle is really a thin place. And the ultimate thin place is the presence of Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit who carries the presence of Jesus, and we are his co-workers. So what I'd like to ask you to do is to turn into towards each other and just say, where are the thin places you have found it easier to connect with God, and what do you find in those? Can you do that? for five minutes. How often do you hear someone's testimony and they say something like, I saw these Christians and there was something different about them or it felt different or or what have you. And I, I remember... Uh, quite early on in 24-7 actually, but we had a prayer room in, in Guildford and a friend called Suzanne went along and she took her friend from work, said, oh, I'm going to pray in the prayer room. Do you want to come? And she was driving from 10 miles away to come to the prayer room, but she came. And that was on the, I think, on the Friday. And then the Monday, the person who she'd taken, Suzanne was off work, but said, oh, I think I want to go over to that prayer room again. And she drove over and the prayer week was over and so she was so disappointed, but in the end she said, well, I can still pray. So she sat in her car for an hour praying. And it was something about the prayer room that 
you know, there was, how often have we felt it? You know, you go in and there's just this sense of the presence of God in this room. Or in old churches, often, you know, we go in old churches and it's the fact there's been prayer going on for a thousand years. <laughs> um, yeah, and for me, uh, I think I can, I've been on a few mountains where I've just really found it very easy to pray and, and beaches. I, I've got two or three beaches I've had encounters with God. But actually one of them was Sunderland and Sunderland was the place where, firstly, there was a Celtic monastery just, you know, about a mile away from where the beach was on Roker Beach. But also it's the one of the main places where the Pentecostal movement came into Britain from Norway into into Sunderland and then then spread down. So I was walking on that beach and but it was a you know, in a sense it was a thin it was a thin place. Um I think times of worship are often for me you know, I go in with a certain mentality and half an hour in the place of worship with other people and suddenly so many different things suddenly seem clear that weren't clear before or our, our own spiritual disciplines. But ultimately, though, thin places are where the spirit rests. Perhaps we can say they're a place where the dove lands and where it's cherished and embraced. Um but like any relationship we're in, uh, it can become familiar, it can become settled, perhaps it can even become, the relationship can become stale. I was just, I, I read this years ago, Azusa Street, which is where the Pentecostal movement began in, in Los Angeles, and just some great things. This is at least first-hand accounts from a guy called uh, Bartleman, Frank Bartleman, and um, he said things like this, describing Azusa Street. The Spirit is very sensitive, tender as a dove. The Holy Spirit is symbolized as a dove. We knew the moment we had grieved the Spirit by an unkind word or thought. Or thought. We seemed to live in a sea of pure divine love. The Lord fought our battles for us. We committed ourselves fully to his judgment in all matters, never seeking to defend the work, and nothing contrary to his pure spirit was allowed there. Brother Seymour, who was one of the main guys, uh, generally sat behind two empty shoe boxes, one on top of the other. He usually kept his head inside the top one during the meeting in prayer. There was no pride there. The services ran almost continuously we wanted god when we first reached the meeting we avoided as much as possible human contact and greeting we wanted to meet god first we got our head under some bench in the corner in prayer and met others only in the spirits the meetings started themselves in testimony praise and worship the testimonies were never hurried by a call for popcorn whatever that means I didn't know they had popcorn in those days. We had no prearranged program to be jammed through on time. Our time was the Lord's. We had real testimonies from fresh heart experience. Otherwise, the shorter the testimonies, the better. A dozen might be on their feet at one time, trembling under the mighty hand of God. Suddenly the spirit would fall. God himself would give the altar call. People would fall all over the house like the slain in battle or rush or rush for the altar en masse to seek God. And this is interesting. And the preacher knew when to quit, 
When he spoke, we all obeyed. It seemed a fearful thing to hinder or grieve the Spirit. The whole place was steeped in prayer. It was for people to keep silent. The glory rested there. In fact, some claim to have seen the glory by night over the building. And then finally, this is also interesting. The preachers died the hardest. They had so much to die to, so much reputation and good works. But when God got through with them, they gladly turned a new page and chapter. This is one of the reasons they fought so hard. Death is not at all a pleasant experience, and strong men die hard. And uh, But it's just a whole book of just accounts of a place that had a very intense sense of the presence of God. I mean, it describes how missionaries and people from all over the world went to Los Angeles to receive the baptism. But that's where the Pentecostal movement came from. But things can become familiar. The Holy Spirit can become very safe, if I can say that in our meetings and i'm i hasten to add this isn't a word for you this is me talking to myself and thinking about church generally but you know people talk about pentecostal spontaneity how the spirit leads and as someone said you know you would but by the 30s and 40s and 50s you'd go into Pen so many pentecostal meetings they said oh we we just go as the spirit leads but you knew who was going to get up at what time and who was going to give what word at what time and what the word was going to say and probably the gist of it. I remember speaking at Pentecostal Church in Belfast and uh, I wasn't a very good speaker. Well, maybe not now, but even in, certainly in those days. And I went in and I, I said, how long would you like me to speak? As the Lord leads, brother, as the Lord leads. And then after I'd been speaking about 45 minutes, it got to nine o'clock. It was on the Shankill Road. The Lord led probably half the congregation just to get up and go home and and that might have been me but i i suspect i suspect they had in their head the meeting finishes at nine o'clock and uh, that's when we leave so that's how the lord leads so as we start this year the question i'm asking is are we hungry for the spirit's presence have we perhaps replaced God's presence with human methods? Are we operating out of revelation that comes from the place of worship and prayer or routine? And the thing is that thing, thin places aren't fixed. They're a spectrum. We never arrive at the, you know, it's a, it's, but it, we know that there is a sense of God's presence whenever we meet together. But like a garden, we need to watch over our thin places. At times, maybe there need to be times of just repentance or cleansing or weeding or, or whatever. Times of recommitment to pursue the presence of the Holy Spirit as our, as our source. And that is, we're quite good at doing that as individuals, but we can also do that, I think, as communities. So that's my the first sort of little bit of what I'm going to share, and then we're going to look at some specifics. But just wondered, are there any other comments that anyone would like to make before we move on, or any thoughts that are buzzing around in your head at the moment? The fact is, life is routine, isn't it? I mean, we 
we all we all have routines, but I think it can become come to a point where it's almost like the presence of the spirit or the leading of the spirit has been you know marginalized you know the dove is maybe there <laughs> but sitting outside waiting to come in you know but uh, i think i think so as communities i think having times of just fresh heart change if you like to say and like you were saying going back to your original like last year going back to the original call the original identity at times we just have to remember you know god does tell us to remember remember where you came from when you're in the wilderness and go into the promised land and he said when you go in the promised land you'll suddenly you know have crops and your wealth and towns will be built and everything but remember the way i brought you as it's a different phase so life does change yeah great so moving on from thin places the rest of the time we're going to look at three people three prophecies and three promises and um and i'm going to start and the, the the people are all in the old testament and um it'd be good if has someone got a bible with them could someone look up um exodus 31 1 to 6 perhaps quok could Right, Exodus 31, verse 1 through to 6. The Lord said to Moses, I have chosen, is that the one? Yeah. I have chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri and grandson of Hur, from the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with my power. I have given him understanding skill and ability of every kind of artistic work for planning skillful designs and working them in gold, silver and bronze for cutting jewels to be set for carving wood and for every other kind of artistic work. I have also selected a whole Liab, son of Ahisamak, from the tribe of Dan to work with him. I have also given great abilities to all the other skill workers so that you can make everything I have commanded to be made. Yeah, so the first person is a guy called Bezalel. And uh, it says in the Old Testament that he was anointed with the Spirit with special gifts and skills to build the tabernacle and that there were other guys who were anointed uh, with him. So the first point I want to make is each one of us here is unique uh each one of us here was watched over as psalm 139 says in our mother's womb and our day the days that were ordained for us and the holy spirit comes to help us express our uniqueness in our personality our uniqueness in our motivation and our uniqueness in our gifting and that is ministry and we are all, every one of us, is a minister. And we mustn't accept the lie that ministry is what happens when you have a microphone. Oh, they're, they're in the ministry. They're maybe in church ministry, but there's also education ministry and family ministry. And we are all of us 
ministers. I did a little bit of uh, a search on Christians who have lived their lives outside of church ministry and would say that their faith is the thing that motivated them. And we, it's a great list. I mean, here are just a few of them. You know, Pascal, the French philosopher, said that he had a very close relationship with God. Florence Nightingale said that it was God who'd called her to be a nurse and to do the transformative work in nursing that she did. Isaac Newton, the scientist, credited God with being his uh, motivation. I can't do this guy justice, but there's a guy called George Washington Carver in America who was born a slave, and he's now has all sorts of awards, and a lot of it was to do with agriculture and research. He's he's famous for discovering multiple uses of the peanut <laughs> and lots of different things that peanuts are used for. But it was it, he he's, he said it was all about his Christian faith was what motivated him. Francis Collins, who's head of the Genome Project, top scientist. Joe Malone, the um, what do you call it, uh, fragrance lady. She's got a very strong faith. And uh, and uh, so on. John Cadbury, who started the chocolate, he started chocolate. He he started developing chocolate as a healthy alternative to treat to alcohol for ordinary people. And uh, and he's started all sorts of different initiatives, and um, also started the RSPCA. So uh, Arthur Guinness, he he had a similar motivation, but Guinness came from a motivation. He he looked at Irish people and just saw so many working people were addicted to alcohol and thought, how can we create a healthy, low alcohol alternative to gin and the other things they were drinking? And that's where Guinness is good for you came from. Uh, Gary Grant, does anyone know who Gary Grant is? He's the guy who started the entertainer chain of shops. And uh, he made a decision right at the beginning. He wasn't a Christian when he started. He became a Christian a few years in. But he, the shops, uh, even now, do not open on Sundays because he said us all my staff need a day off work. And they've never done anything to do with Halloween. And yet, entertainer goes from strength to strength as a toy chain. Henry Heinz of ketchup and baked bean uh, fame. He was also, he said, you know, my faith. Motivate. I know in Guildford we had years ago Cross and Blackwell was uh, came through as sort of again healthy living type alternative. But just think how the world has changed through just people living out their identity in ministry, which hasn't been so. When the Holy Spirit comes, He comes to energize you to find the purpose for your life and the way you know and the way you're going to serve the lord and uh so the spirit maximized bezalel's gifts oh i hate doing this but jackie just do you mind coming and talking about nursing and how you yeah, i'm going to really get told off of this <laughs> just talk about how how god spoke to you about nursing I don't quite know what you need me to say. You should have prepped me for this, Ian. Um, well, certainly um, in my last um, job that I had, um, last full-time job that I had, um, 
I felt God very clearly called me to be Jesus to my team. And um, I hadn't realized when I, I took this job of the needs that would be coming from this team. So when I joined the team, one of the team had just discovered uh, that her husband had incurable cancer and she was in her early 30s and he died four months after I arrived and she had two small children. Um, another member of the team um, who was from the Philippines, her father had a major stroke in the Philippines which necessitated him being on a home ventilator. Um, another member of the team, I only had a small team, another member of the team, her father um, was on holiday um, in South Africa and passed away suddenly. Um, another member of the team sent a message, a text message um, one evening to me saying, I'm sorry, I can't come to work tomorrow. My parents have been murdered. And this was um, in the Philippines. It was a, a burglary that had gone wrong. And these, I, I had a team, I, the, we were a team of six. And these were the um, situations that I needed to deal with. Um, and I, I had felt that very strongly when I first started the job that God had said to me, I want you to be Jesus to my team. And so it wasn't really about the work that we did. It was about being that person who could bring some kind of hope in the, those terribly desperate situations. And, you know, I think about the, the chances of being in a team of six people and having those kind of scenarios to deal with. And God obviously had a plan in me being there. Thank you. Thanks. That's absolutely brilliant. And I'm sure we could go around using examples of how at different times we've been placed in different places if you like to use a Bible phrase for such a time as this, and, you know, it might just be for one person. But um, this whole thing with Bezalel, he, you know, it's his very natural gifts that God anointed to be able to fulfill his purpose. And the same is true. And the big thing about 24-7 prayer rooms that I always felt was they're a place of dreams and visions. They're a place that you go and you discover in that thin place, if you like, more of your purpose and identity and calling uh, to follow the Lord. So that's Bezalel, number one. Number two is actually two people because I, I wanted to be, I was aware it was very male heavy, <laughs> but it's two of the judges, Deborah and Gideon. And what we read in both of their lives is that as the spirit comes on them, they get unnatural confidence and courage and boldness to initiate so we read about deborah in judges 5 the villagers in israel would not fight they held back until i deborah arose a mother in israel god chose new leaders when war came to the city gates so it's almost like the, there was paralysis but then God raised up a prophetess, Deborah, to be um, 
their leader, or Gideon. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit came upon Gideon, who was a very timid man, very uncertain. He blew the trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. So what we see there is that part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to give us boldness, to give us confidence to step out and to into our identity. And thirdly, we read about Samson. Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Tim Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring at him, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as one would tear a young goat. And then a little bit later, we read that Samson, who basically mucked up, called out to the Lord, O Lord God, please remember me, strengthen me, O God, just once more, so that with one vengeful, vengeful blow I may pack, pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. He'd lost his eyes. And what I read there is that the Spirit empowered Samson and managed to he managed to fulfill his destiny despite his weaknesses and mistakes and the fact that we are never written off. We're never in a place. God, God's commitment to fulfill his purposes in you is greater than your commitment. The work that he's begun, he will bring to completion. But at times it means a turning back even if we even if we muck up there is always a, a place back so the marks of a holy spirit empowered community will be uh, surprising skills and influence unnatural boldness and courage and recovery and fulfillment from those three people we can see they're just aspects of the holy spirit's activity so then we go on to three prophecies, and um, I think there are, I'm going to start with Isaiah 61, prophecy of the Spirit coming, and um, for many of you, these will be no, well-known verses, uh, but it really says that there's freedom available for all. So the Holy Spirit comes to bring freedom. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. And um, so what do we read there? The, the promise of the Spirit is that we will preach good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to to prisoners so that is the first promise we read and as part of isaiah 61 it goes on to say they will rebuild the ancient ruins they will restore the places long devastated they will renew the ruined cities the desolation of many generations so a holy spirit inspired community will be bringing freedom for all and rebuilding the ruins. And I'm sure if we went round Stamford or Corringham at the moment, if it's anything like 
Woking or Guildford, where I am, you will know there are some real ruins out there. There are people who are desperate. There are people who feel abandoned. There are people who feel hopeless, and they don't know where to look. And part of the Holy Spirit's activity is this commission for freedom to rebuild. And the second prophecy, so that was the first prophecy. The second prophecy, Ezekiel 36. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So what we see there is that the spirit comes to give a heart transplant. It's not just a healed heart, it's a totally new heart. And I'm sure we could again go around this room, we might do it in a little minute and just talk about how your heart changed when you encounter Jesus. And as a friend of mine is often used to start, say, becoming a Christian is not a new start in life, but it's a new life to start. That sounds trite, but it's so true. It's not about New Year's resolutions. It's about actually having a total heart transplant that happens when we meet Jesus. So that's the second prophecy. And the third prophecy is the outpouring of the Spirit for all in Joel. So that was Isaiah 61, Ezekiel 36, Joel 2. And afterwards I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But I, I, I just love this. Sons, daughters, young, old. What we see with Bezalel and with Deborah and with Gideon and with whoever else, who was the other one I did? Samson. That was on individuals at specific times, but God is promising that in this day, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We will all become Bezalel. We will all become Deborah or Gideon. We will all become Samson. We all come under the promise of the spirit on all people. And worldwide, the spirit is being poured out. So, just again in our tables, um, this is a bit of an open-ended question. How high is our expectation of the Spirit's presence? But beyond that is, how can we fan into flame the Spirit that is within us as communities? Can we discuss that? Ways you think we can fan into flame the presence of the Spirit and the expectancy of the Spirit amongst us? Again, five minutes. No, very good at, at flexibility. And it, 
it's interesting is and it, it, it is true in history it's often the group that was blessed in the last if you like move of god that becomes resistant to the next it is a pattern and whether it's because we get wedded to our story and we think well that's the way god works and the fact is god works as god works you know you don't hear of many groups with tongues of fire you know we say oh you've got to have tongues of fire in your head well no that happened then but it could well be something else in another time you know or the charismatic movement or the pentecostal movement or toronto you know well that was all laughing you've got to laugh and you say well no god might move in a totally different way god will be who god will be but um great well i'll just wind up because times we're nearly done on time and i'd like us to just have a couple of minutes um prayer at the end so um from there uh three prophecies we have three promises um john 7 the promise of jesus the thirsty will be filled let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scriptures said rivers of living water will flow from within them that's one promise life flowing out of us out of our spirits uh, acts 1 5 to 8 power to live um in a few days you'll be baptized john baptized with water but in a few days you'll be baptized with the holy spirit you will receive power when the spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria to the ends of the earth or as i like to say we the spirit gives us an access all areas badge there is no place we cannot go under the leading of the holy spirit nowhere is out of bounds and thirdly the spirit of sonship and that's not a sexist phrase it's, it's to do with being brought to the place of being in the place of prime inheritance if you like the first son and uh in romans 8 the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry abba father the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children so where we've covered this morning is um an opening sort of just talk about thin places that thoric you are a thin place not your can aim to be one you already are but it's that sense of god's presence three people anointed skills and purpose bold leadership recovery and fulfillment three prophecies freedom and release a new heart kingdom dreams and three promises the thirsty will be filled power to witness and the spirit of adoption so um i think it'd be good i'd like us to just wait in the lord's presence if we could for just a few moments till our time is up and just it might be that there's a word I've got no plans for this time. Maybe there's a word that's released here or whatever, but let's just wait, shall we? Is that okay? Thank you. And let's um, just thank Ian. Just give him a clap. He's really brilliant. Thank you. And yeah, God, we just we thank you and, and we, we, we take hold of these things, God, into this year of, of, of pursuing 
you, Holy Spirit, that, um, yeah, in, in doing so that we discover more of who we are uh, and that we can uh, even more live out the, the calling on our lives that you will bring to fulfillment. Thank you, God. Amen.